and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lamia. This year? I mean, this, this year. <laughs> this week, we are going to be discussing the entirety of the miniseries Golden Years. Not the Golden Years, Golden Years. Written by Stephen King, adapted from nothing, airing in 1991. Adapted from nothing. Adapted from nothing. It was not an ad- adaptation, so we maybe shouldn't even have done it, but that's okay. So, before we get into this miniseries, of which we watched the entire thing, we were going to break it in half, but then we got halfway through it and we were like, yeah, let's just watch so the whole thing. Why did we watch the whole thing? <laughs> well, before we get into it, yes. how was your week? Not a lot happened. Sort of like this TV program. <laughs> sort of like this TV program. Are you familiar with the poem Antagonish? Antagonish? Yes. Not pronounced like that, so no. <laughs> okay. I, I thought you were talking about something else, but I, if that's how it's pronounced, then no. Yesterday upon the stair I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish I wish he'd go away. It's my favorite poem. That's not your favorite poem. It's one of them. <laughs> Like, your favorite poem is Ozymandias. I saw this TV program, and as I watched it, I felt like it was yesterday upon a stair, I met a show that wasn't there. It wasn't there again today. I wish I wish it'd go away. So, it's... It's not... It's Y'all, it's not bad. No, it's It's just not much of anything. It's sort of like cotton candy. It looks like... Oh, this is substantial. There are seven episodes, three hours and 52 minutes of watching them. And then you watch four of them and you take notes and you're like, so four things happened and this isn't going to be a whole episode, so we should probably just finish it up. So things from this program that I came away with is that the cast was really good. The cast is good. Um, the acting generally is good. The acting is generally good. Leslie Huffman was a babe. She's really doing her very best, Dana Scully. She is, she right. is channeling Dana Scully, pre-Dana Scully, so friggin' hard. But she's also... She's... Oddly... Jailbird, Felicity Huffman. Yes, I know. And it's so hard because of the direction she's taken now. But she is doing her utmost. There are scenes of her sculpted body in her underwear with guns in her head. Yeah, we'll talk about that. There's a lot of, like, action hero, she's Rambo kind of thing that she's doing. Well, she's definitely the star of this. Right. And I I don't know if that was intentional, but... I have a feeling that she came on and just grabbed everyone by the throat and the show became about her when it really isn't about the main character anymore. Right. But I think the other thing I liked is the female characters really carried it to me. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And the makeup. Yes. Um, so the, ho- the overall premise of this series... Mm-hmm. Is all right. Explain this to me like I'm a two-year-old, okay? Because there's an element to this thing I just cannot get through my thick head. A janitor is involved in an, in an explosion during an experiment and begins aging backwards, and then 
to cover up this experiment and these things, this accidents, the shop previously of Firestarter is put on the task of shutting him up, whether that means capturing him for study and offing everyone around him who might know about it, or it means killing them straight out. Uh, It goes back and forth over whether that's what they want to do with that. And that is the entire, that's it. And so he goes on the run. That's it. That's the whole thing. That's everything that happens. Uh, Our lead, ostensibly our main character, is Harlan Williams, played by Keith (laughs) Sarabica. Sarabica. I looked it up. Y'all, there are a lot of Z's in that name, and I think I pulled it off. If we have Polish listeners... Let me know. (laughs) I know we've got listeners in Uruguay. Uruguay. We chart in Uruguay. So this is lovely. This is one of my favorite places. (laughs) Uruguay. So place of Horacio Quiroga, the famous uh, horror writer. Oh, nice. Yes, one of my favorites. I really like the way Uruguay is pronounced. Yes, it's glottal and soft. Anyway, beautiful. Uh, So this is our elderly janitor who, upon first opening his mouth, will have you know that he is elderly. <laughs> because he literally, they, it, they are clearly in spring, because the line before it is about how it is spring, and he says he'll be 71 in October. And I'm just like, why is that so specific right now? Oh, because we are to know that he is elderly. Is the actor elderly? No. No. The makeup in this is quite good. The old age makeup to the young the youngening. They young in him. The youngening. And which youngin. is what this film should have been called. The youngening. The youngening. <laughs> youngin-ning. Or just younger. <laughs> we haven't watched thinner yet. <laughs> uh, and he works. He is put upon, he is, first of all, as we said, 70 years old. 70. So, dear Lord, why have you not retired? He didn't plan well. He's a big gambler. Uh, (laughs) No, we don't know why. Uh, But he is to be taken off work, we find out right when we start, because he has failed his eye exam. Uh, This is a lab that has, uh, like, a government contract. Right. It is the government. High security. Yes. So it's important that he has good eyesight. I think they're just trying to put him They're out trying to, to push him out to pasture. Mm-hmm. They can fire him for this. So now they what's are the name of his boss, the guy that you liked? Oh, Stephen Root. Root. Stephen Root is this in this. Major Moreland. Doing everything you want Stephen Root to do in this, in, in this. He is a man who abides by the rules in an office too small for him. It's very good. It is... Very good. <laughs> it is one of my favorite parts. So, we have also the other people in in the in the series that we need to know are Terry Spann. That is our Francis McDormand character. Nope, that is our Felicity Huffman character. McDormand. Y'all, I am sorry. Uh-huh. I I get their names mixed up. I don't get them mixed up, uh-huh. but I get their names mixed up. It's a weird F name. Felicity? Felicity and Francis. Okay. I just get them mixed up. 
So I am sorry. It's Felicity Huffman. And like I said, the first time we see her, she's, first of all, she is partial to 40s hairstyles for no reason. Oh, they make her look great, but there's no reason. She is wearing a red lip. She definitely is walking red hair in this. Mm -hmm. She looks like a cross between Jessica Rabbit and Dana Scully, and it's wild. (laughs) Like, it is a wild choice. She is the head of security at this location. She formerly worked for the shop. Right. Uh, so in our first episode, what happens? Explosion. Now, we should mention here that the not villain, I don't think, really, the villain we're introduced to later, the actual proper villain. Yes. But one of the people who is completely unsympathetic is Mr. Todd Hunter. Dr. Todd Hunter Dr. to Todd you. Hunter. Todd Hunter is his last name. And he's... As though his family <laughs> has a history of hunting Todd's. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know. Todd. Todd's are Todd foxes. Is a it's... word for fox. As a matter of yeah. fact, if you ever read Beatrix Potter, the tale of Mr. Todd and the story of a fox. Right. So Todd Hunter would be an exterminator in English, Old English. Not a person who does the fox hunting like not a well, fancy no, no, not a fancy this would be oh, a person who gets rid of vermin uh that hunts but it, foxes are right. adorable well probably also bad if they chickens. yeah that's fair so i felt like and maybe you, you can disabuse me of this notion if you choose to that mr todd hunter was way over the top yeah it was like uh, he was doing like Dr. A, Beekman. Right. He was doing an Einstein with the hair. His hair was the, out of control. He uh, was he did not listen to anything. There was no stipulation of or there was no care of lab rules and protocols. He was clearly doing one hundred percent mad scientist. The the experiment that affects Harlan yes. kills Todd Hunter's assistant. Yes. And he's really indifferent to that. Yep. He's an interesting character that he never takes responsibility for what he does. Nope. There's a whole unspoken... He also doesn't know what's going to happen. Right. He's like, we're going to push this button and see. And when the results are presented to him, he's like, oh, I mean, that kind of makes sense for what I was doing. Right. Because ultimately what he's trying to do is rapid healing. And what... And regeneration. That, he wants people to become starfish. Right. Regenerating limbs Regenerate, and right. like that. So what happens instead, or what happens when Harlan gets a large dose of what we presume is radiation, but there's no reason to presume that. Right. They actually don't talk about radiation, and they do do a, like a, a tick-tick test. I don't know what they're, like a... A Geiger test. Geiger test. And they're like, there's like no radiation here. Than, well, it tick, tick, ticks, right? right? And then yeah, it tick, ticks exactly. faster, it and then you got to get out of there. You know, when I was a kid, uh huh, I I saw a lot of 50 science fiction. Right. Everything from Gojira to them and whatever. And mm-hmm. There were so many scenes with Geiger counters that I used to walk around with my mom's portable radio. Awesome. And turn it to the static yeah. and walk around like this was my Geiger counter. That's the best. And turn it up when I wanted to. Oh my God, this is radioactive. This is a monster here. Yeah. That's so good. I was, so I was good. a very sad child. No, that's the best. So he is blown through a wall, but the, when the. So this is Harlan, you're saying? Yes. Yeah. When the, the inspectors come through and do the Geiger test. Yes. Yes. They don't. There's no radiation. So we don't know. We don't know. 
we, it's a it's a science of science. It's, it's, actually, a, it's a weird science. Now, it is <laughs> by the end of the run of the program, it's stupid science, and we'll get to that later yeah. on. It's really bad. Well, yeah. He, turns out he's got superpowers, but we'll get to that right. later. So, um, they bring in the shop, who uh, ostensibly is a... It's like a CIA, an uh-huh. internal to America CIA um, that that has that wants to protect this research and Doctor Todd Hunter. So they've got to get Harlan. They've got to make sure that everybody who's exposed to this accident remains compliant and under their control. Uh, so that's basically the first episode. The second episode... Now, we do get introduced to the other character, though, that we should mention that Terry seems to have had a relationship with in the past. Oh, the head of everything is a general. What's his name? General Louis Cruz, and it's played by Ed Lauder, who is a veteran actor from way back. He's not doing a whole lot here, though. Yeah, he's not, and it's a pity. Because he does he, more later, but like... He is a really good actor. It's and an odd he's character. just not doing This much. is a general who is like super over his job, like yeah. way the fuck over his job. He's into Terry, but then again, you know, in a way that's kind of gross at times because... It's gross. He's... They had a relationship at some point. Yes. Because he openly makes sexual overtures to her all the time. Constantly. And she doesn't seem to, or she seems to acknowledge this as a part of I think she understands that if he does past. actually make a move she's not interested in, she could kill him Right. I think instantly. that might be part of it, is that she is a trained killer. He does have moments over the course of the, the miniseries where he actually is sort of like a puppy dog yes. following her. Yeah. He seems to be crushed when he thinks that the villain of the show might have been a romantic partner to her. He oh, yeah. To affect I don't even, yeah. But at the same time, he does creepy things like he uses a camera drone to peek at her legs. Or Although she's sitting literally right in front of Admittedly impressive weird. legs. There's a lot of Felicity Huffman in here. Yeah, and sometimes for no reason. Uh, so then, second ep- so the first episode was time and time again. The second episode is yes, no, or maybe. Harlan's wife, Gina, who is my favorite character in this Played movie. Played by, say her whole name. I don't know her Frances Hussey Sternhagen. Oh, really? Yeah. That's her middle name? Hussey is her middle name? Yes. That's pretty good. She's wonderful. Why do I know her? She's been a lot of things. She's like most of the actors in this program. Oh, she was, that's right. We just saw her. Mm -hmm. She was in misery. Yes. She was, uh, what's his name's wife? What's his name? Yes, of course. Richard Farnsworth's wife. Richard Farnsworth's wife. So we just saw her. She's also going to be in the mist later. So she's going to, she's with us a whole bunch. She's actually a wonderful actress, and if you look at her resume, she's had some really good parts, a lot of real, and she's playing a woman of a certain age who is very no-nonsense, very down-to-earth. Well, she's younger than him, but not by a lot. I think, uh-huh. like, 68 or sixty right. something like that. It's interesting because at the time, she is that age. Right. And the actor playing her husband was how old? Let's see. He was born in 1952. Uh-huh. So he's less than 40. 
Uh, this around the same time he was, I think it's around the same time he was the Equalizer, the television program. 38. Playing, uh, oddly, a CIA operative who has rejected the system and winds up being friends with Robert McCall because of his, now his doing good. Right. And his casting, I think, is what shows that they were hoping to have a longer run. Right. Because he never gets young enough to have to be played by a 40-year-old man in this. Mm Mm-hmm. So if this was going to be the end, it's almost like that weird aging of uh, Guy Pierce and Prometheus where you're just expecting him to de-age at some point and then right. he never does. And you're like, why? Yeah, that why was pointless. is this happening in this movie? Uh, y'all, if you have not seen Prometheus, Guy Pierce is like a thousand years old in that movie. Like literally he's over a hundred years old. His character's over a hundred. So they put all this old, old age makeup on him and the whole time you you know it's Guy Pierce, and so you are expecting them to do something wherein he ages backwards. Because otherwise, why why would you do this? Well, it's the same thing as the uh, the dwarves in uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah, you've gotten these world famous character actors, and you put them in so much makeup they're almost unrecognizable. Yeah, some of them are entirely. Some of them are. Yeah, that's that's, so that's why also cast a them at all. Choice. That could yeah, have been anybody. So odd. Um, but so he's 38 when they're doing this, and she is 60. She was and born in 1930. Aged, right, they've aged her up. Mm, I think some. I don't think so. I like the fact that when you see them as a couple, though, they're still very affectionate towards each other. They are. Like, they bone down multiple times in right. the series. Uh, and not just because he's getting younger. No. It happens at the she, beginning. At the very beginning, she sees him in a hospital bed. And he is uncomfortable because there's a very young, attractive nurse, the kind that you find on television all the time. Yes. Who's going to give him a sponge bath. And she's like, get out of here, and I got she this. Throws, and then gets him into a shower, and they start fooling around. And then she gets in the shower with them. And right. I'm like, oh, careful, don't fall. <laughs> I'm like, that's dangerous for people my age. Right. Uh, but yeah, they're very affectionate with each other, which is an interesting so thing. And the makeup holds up. Right. They're, they're, they're a sexual couple. They're an affectionate couple. Mm-hmm. They... They do a good job of acting like an old couple. Yeah. She starts noticing him that he he seems to be getting younger because his hair is changing color. She's like, you haven't had white in your hair for a decade. Right. Like, I see you every day. And I can tell. And and at one point, there's this lovely part of they they kiss. And she's like, I know how old my husband is. And you, I'm kissing you. And you are 65. Right. And next, and today's your birthday. You're 65, and she's like, he's like, no, I'll be 71 next month, or, you know, in October. And she's like, no, not anymore. And next week you'll have another birthday, and maybe you'll be 60. Like, there's some, there is some really good writing. There's some very there's good some writing, especially very bad writing. with them. <laughs> yes, there's also bad writing. And here's what yeah. I believe. Okay. Good characters. Yes. The plot is. Almost non-existent. And here's what's making it difficult to review this for me, is that, as we said, Antigonish, not a lot is actually going on. No. And so there's a lot of scenes that are done like a soap opera, where it feels like people are just talk, 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 talking. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, to, to, to really, it's like, they start, they, basically Terry realizes the shop has sent this dude, J.D., 
Uh-huh. Jude, not JD. His name is Jude Andrews. What's his real name? Maybe that's where I got mixed up. It's a... R.D. Call. R.D., that's the problem. R.D. Call. So he has been sent to clean up, and Terry understands that this is going to mean that Gina is expendable and Harlan will get locked up in a cage. Now, what we know about Jude is that at one point, um, oh, is Terry this says, people say that John Rainbird was the best operative the shop ever had. I think it's Jude. Right, and they used to be partners. So John Rainbird, of course, is the character that it's appears that in deeply Firestar, problematic character. George slightly Scott pedophilic, Br- not quite red Native faced. American, <laughs> weird character that one. I the, say red faced, not as in drunk. I say red right. faced as in that is a yes. white man playing Played a Native by, American. Strangely enough, one of the best actors of our generation. <laughs> so I don't understand. What, Made a terrible choice. What was anybody thinking? Like, I could name ten. Native American actors who could have played that damn character. Yeah, but here's the question, though. When it has a person, a person, a character who is so odious, how would you feel yeah, going no, up to I, I, yeah, a Native that's American an actor argument. and going, hey, Wes Studi, do you want to play this asshole? No, you don't. You don't, but also, yeah, maybe, maybe uh, not every Native American actor has to play the noble savage. Now, every I time. would see West Duty playing this and playing the hell out of it. I'm not sure how old right, he was. Right, that's at the, time. the thing. Like until actors of particular color or uh-huh. genre right. get to play all of humanity, yeah. we're still segregating. Yeah. And this is the, the Sydney Poitier thing yes. where for years he was playing as, as other people referred to it black jesus he was yeah. just the exemplar of an entire but once again i would argue people. that this was a hollywood's version of a noble savage right yeah, you could say that and he was too good an actor for that and when he began producing his own films he did everything from science fiction to comedy now i do also understand um you know black women not just I'm not playing a crack whore right just no I'm not doing that I understand uh South Asian men not playing cabbies I get it um but to play a person who is bad that is a different thing like yeah they should be everybody should be his, able to play a full range of types of people Indianness was very forward though it was that was part of the reason why he wanted to kidnap this little girl in the first place and I felt like yeah it is a it, it was a deep bastardization of what actual native right beliefs are so maybe they should have just taken that whole thing out because right. you could very easily have made that a Celtic tradition. Right. And left him a white dude. And Celts... You could easily see a bastardization of Celtic culture that would require child sacrifice or, or something similar to that. Like, you didn't need to make it a Native American thing, especially if that is deeply not what Native Americans did. So... I don't know. Anyway, what were we talking about? Where were we? 
Oh, so they're going on the run. That's what's going to happen. So Terry realizes that they're screwed unless they can get away. And so she's like, get in the car. We're going to bounce. And already Harlan and Gina were like going to start taking money out of the bank and squirreling it away because they thought if anybody caught on to what was happening with him, they'd eat him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Well, that's, yeah. The that's... nice men in the white suits would come and take him away. Uh, and then he'd never be seen again, and probably they would dispose of Gina, because then she knows, but she's of no use to them. So, bye. You're an old lady. You could fall down some stairs. Do what old people do and die. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Looper>. <laughs> terrible. And Good so Terry shows up and is like, get in the core. And she decides to go on the run. Oh, this is after... So there's this back and forth with doctors who have real problems with HIPAA. There was no HIPAA then, I guess. Mm. Um, but there's a doctor at the facility that knows what's going on. And there's the eye doctor, because Harlan has petitioned at the very beginning to go back to the eye doctor and retake the test. And he passes it with flying colors and the spots that were in his eyes have shrunk. So his optometrist knows some shit is going on. He's like, I've never seen this before. That gets his optometrist killed. And I think that's um, Terry's sort of, uh, we got to go because mm -hmm. they're actively killing people out here now. Uh, and so she bounces. What a way. She's like, where are we going? West or east? Now, of course, where do they start? Oh, not in Maine. Oh, upper New York. And they decide to go west to their daughter's house. Now. Mm. Uh, so they're going to Chicago mm -hmm. to get their daughter, um, who, in a nice turn, is a blind woman, uh, not played by a blind woman, but I like that there's just casually right. a blind woman living on her own in Chicago, away from her family. Uh, I thought that that was like a cool little thing. I was like, hey, disability, visible disability. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh and for a second, I thought she was also a lesbian, but then it turns out that Whitney was her dog, not her. <laughs> her seeing eye dog Trigger and not her partner. for people who don't like seeing animals harm. Yeah, that dog. Her dog gets shot at close range in the ribs. It's a, it's a hero. It's a hero, but, but still, if that like disturbs it. you, it was upsetting. kind of surprising seeing that. I was like, they're going to kill this dog and I'm going to be mad. And then they did it and I was like, I was saying it so that I wouldn't be upset. But then I was upset it because it never was, I didn't think it was going to actually happen. Now, on this trip west, they steal a car and then they steal a hearse and then they paint the hearse bright orange because it, they they're like, well hide in plain sight like don't like make yourself visible because nobody's going to presume that you're making yourself visible right and they're heading west and i'm just like okay this is clearly a time before the internet because there's no way that you head towards family right exactly in now because now everybody would look to my sister right like if i was on the run that would be the first place you'd go. That'd be the first. Even if you don't know that my relationship with my sister is not great and I would not run to my sister, mm -hmm. you, you know, by dint of, uh, a, a, like, just knowledge of this person, I've put you in danger. Right. Like, no family member. You don't run towards your family. No. What do you Not if you doing? want to keep them safe, though. No. Um, now, 
there is a little bit of a twist here because she was a an activist and so figured that she, they might she might actually have uh links to fake IDs and stuff that will help them on the run, which right. I think is actually a cool twist. In 1991, fine, run to yes. your family. But in 2019, well, don't do it. If your family has the resources, and I think that what came across there was that they were hoping that it would have enough of a lead time mm-hmm. by destroying files. And there's a neat suspense scene where one of Jude's uh, assistants mm-hmm. is oh, yeah. trying to uh, recall a file and at the same time the uh, Ed Lauder's character is trying to shut uh, it General down. Lewis Cruz is standing over or what was the, the, the gentleman that is Stephen Root, Major Moreland. Yeah. And getting him to withdraw the files just as the other guy is trying is to trying to get it. Yeah. So there's there is, a little there's a couple of really good scenes in here. War games type situation. Yeah, it reminds me of um Yeah, there's a scene with two black people at the same scene. They're yeah. the only two people in the scene too. It's pretty good. One's a janitor, one's this guy that's working for the uh the shop. Right. There is. I, I want to talk a, for just a half a second about the guard at the gate uh-huh. who. Uh, this dude's nose is a character into itself. It's literally the biggest nose on a human face I've ever seen. It looked like a prop, and I don't know if it was. It's hard to tell. There was a lot of makeup in this. There show. was a lot of makeup, and there was a a place where I could see if it, it had a joint. If yeah. it there that there could have been a joint. It was wild, y'all. It was a wild choice, and he does go through like this interesting transition. Right. For just the front guy, gate guy, yeah. we only see him in like four scenes. He has a character arc, and it's great yeah. because at one point the general basically gets the base taken from him. Jude just takes over control of the base and right. kicks the general off, and the general tries to get back on the base. And the guy is like, "I can't." And this this security guard, Low, has been under the general basically probably since he started. Right? Yeah. Um, no shit is not going right. But I have to toe the line. So he pulls his gun on the general and is like. You can't be here. And you just see it in his face where he's like, this fucking sucks, but I'm doing it. And then later, the general has been able to break in and then is trying to get out. And he's in the trunk of Major Moreland's car. They're going to bounce. And he's, but he has snuck in. So now he has to sneak out. And Moreland is stopped at the gate. And this same security guard has to ask him to open his trunk. Apparently, in a car this old, you can't pop the trunk because he gives him a key, which was crazy to me. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? Um, You're so young. Well, d- he didn't have to turn the car off. So that means he keeps the key to the car on a separate chain as the key to the trunk so you could hand the trunk key to somebody yeah. else. That's, that's, too many, that's too many key things. It's too much. <laughs> my car doesn't even have a key. So, yeah, no, yeah. I know. We live in the future. And he opens the trunk, and the general is in there. And he just, like, takes a breath. He closes the trunk, and he says, everything seems to be in order. And Moreland looks at him like, because he definitely thought they were fucked. And he's like, you should probably get out of here while you can. And, like, Moreland bounces, and that's, I think the 
I think the guard probably actually bounces too. I think he probably walks the fuck away. What does he say? Something like, we all make decisions in this life or right. something this like is, that. This is his Gary Cooper moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's like, I'm doing, I've done the right thing. Right. <laughs> and it's like, it's really an interesting little arc for this dude who's literally on stage or on screen for this, five I, minutes. I, I think that you can see with Stephen King, both in the writing and mm-hmm. also in the the television programs and films that he's adapted of his own work and stuff that he's done original stuff like this, there is you can see the influence of film noir everywhere. Yeah, because in film noir, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, there were a wealth of supporting characters, sometimes famous. I mean, actors like Sidney Greenstreet and Peter Lorre and Elisha Cook, all these guys who would do sometimes very small bits in movies. But the idea of film noir is to create a whole cohesive world where these characters inhabit. Some of those same actors, Marie Windsor and Elisha Cook, were cast in A Salem's Lot. Yeah. I think that was a nod to the fact that they were the bit actors in the movies back in the, the, the day. So there's a feeling for that here, where there's characters who have story arcs that are really tiny. Yeah. You have uh, the professors or the scientists working with Professor Todd Hunter, have their own they fully have a, developed, yeah. fully fleshed characters. They end up just bouncing. They're right. like, we're not doing this. Like, we're legitimately worried for our safety because your last assistant's died. And so they leave him. And then he is left with the other janitor, whose name is Billy, and is an unfortunate caricature of a man with a very low IQ. Which winds up being a character that Stephen King comes back to over and over well, again. Well, I think it's the man that hit him with the van. I, it could very well be. <laughs> but I think in this case, in this film, you see that all the characters, as you said, are pretty well developed, even the teeny tiny parts. Yeah. There are some characters who are less interesting than others. Yeah. Because I really was getting tired of seeing these doctors. The Yeah. The op- Todd Hunter was the, the least interesting. Oh, those two. Yeah, yeah the, they're the actual almost physicians. negligible. Yeah. They're only in the plot to get killed or to demonstrate the fact that Jude is a That Jude is scary. Killer. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. The, the best scene that Jude has is sitting with the doctor. I forget which doctor that was. Not the optometrist, the other one. Because he kills the optometrist fairly, yeah. fairly quickly. Fairly quickly, we don't, yeah. But the other doctor who's monitoring the, the uh, medical records, Harlan's medical records. Yes. He gives a very creepy speech about how he performs torture with a drill bit and yes. a pers- going through a person's cheek into their teeth. That's right. And it's basically like you decide what happens to you, except you clearly don't. <laughs> You're going to do what I want mm. you to do. Um, I do want to say speak for just a second on the optometrist. Here's what you don't trust from an optometrist. In this man's office, an optometrist of however many years is a giant poster it's not even, it's a mural on his uh-huh. wall of the parts of an eye. Hey, that's like day one in optometry school. Why is it on your wall, well, dude? Well, it's something else. In the... And it's not like in the waiting room. In it's the room, in his actual... When Harlan is getting his eyes examined, uh-huh. there is a video screen. And I'm not sure if we're meant to believe that it's Harlan's eye, because it clearly isn't. Harlan is moving his head and talking to the Oh, okay. Person. Yes, that's right. But what looks like... It just, just a, looks like weird a eye porn. TV screen yeah. with a picture of an eye on it. Moving. But not like weird, right. like anybody in the room. Just, it's just very strange. Like we're at a club, and yeah. it's also a, an optometrist's office. Yeah. 
I, I don't know what that was for and if it was there just for visual interest, but it, like like some of the segments of Twin Peaks where there was weird for the sake of weird. Yeah. And then, um, and meanwhile, uh, so all of this is going on back at the at the lab and Harlan, or not Harlan, Jude has basically said, I'm in charge of everything. Right. So General's been bounced, that, but he's cleared out the files that needed clearing out. And the three that are on the run decide that they're going to split up um, because they're looking for two olds and, and a young. Was this before they got to the, the, the daughter? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. This is, yes. So Harlan's going to hitchhike. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to the car. I don't know why they didn't just keep the car. But Harlan's going to hitchhike, and Gina and Terry are getting on a bus. They're going to meet in Chicago, like, the next day. Right. Uh, they're that close. And... So the, the ladies get on a bus. Terry's idea of a meal is four hostess cupcakes. So get on it, girl. You're the best. And um, Harlan gets picked up by a trucker who's also going to Chicago. So convenient. Right. African-American trucker. Yes. So we're getting representation right. here. Uh, then Harlan falls asleep. And here's what happens when Harlan falls asleep. His eyelids glow green. Uh-huh. Which some, is something that happened to him very early. That it stopped. did. It did. It, st- it happened right after he got hurt and then it stopped. Although, did it? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he falls into a sleep that's so, that's very deep and while that is happening, it is nighttime. It's uh-huh. the middle of the night and all of a sudden time has gone backwards. Now, here's... This was the shark jumping moment This for is me. deeply, yes. And Everybody on the road stops because the sun has come back up. Yeah. Okay? The the sun has re-risen and is in the sky. And he is trying... The the trucker is trying to wake him up. And when he opens his eyes, they're just green glowing pits. At which point the trucker jumps out and is like, he's doing it, he's doing it. Which I guess you would presume. Now... Well, because before that there was some kind of uh, electrical... Manifestation, for lack of a oh, better word. Oh, that's right. The inside um, the truck, the, the truck, radio is going wild. Yeah, and, and then the car just, and then it yes. just stops. Like yeah. the engine just stops, which is better than the brakes just failing. Um, so yeah, they pull over. Everybody else is pulling over because they've all gotten out of their car and they're looking up at the sky. And the, it is it is daytime. It yeah. is like a reverse eclipse. Which I don't understand. That only happened here on this stretch of road yeah. apparently because which is not how the sun works because in the same time zone the ladies are on a bus and didn't see this happening yeah so what like that's this not this is where what it goes wonky <laughs> for me so that happens and then they're able to reconnect with Felicity Huffman and Francis Sternhagen and this is another mystery of the film how Felicity Huffman falls asleep on the couch fully yeah, dressed. Yeah, okay, so... And wakes up y- in her underwear. Yeah, the the the, the two women get uh-huh. to um, the daughter's house, and her name is Francie, um, and she apparently works nights. And they go in, and um, Gina starts turning on all the lights, and Felicity Huffman's like, would she turn on the lights? And she goes, I know that she would, uh-huh. which is a fair question. Right. If you're blind, are you turning on Why the lights? Why bother? She, well, because you want people to think that somebody first of all it 
it makes people more comfortable that you are like them. Uh-huh. And second, yes, somebody's home, so maybe don't break in. So they turn on lights, which is fine. And then, um, yeah, Felicity Hoffman lays down on the couch and goes to sleep, fully dressed. And then apparently Fra- Francie comes in in the morning and wants to know who's in our house because she can tell that something's not right. And we get a view of Felicity Huffman, who is bra and panties, passed out on the couch. Like, first of all, when the hell did that happen? Second of all, why would... You're in somewhat... You're in a stranger's right. living room. What are you doing? It seemed... You're a perv if you have stripped down to your bra and panties, which... Matching set, very nice, but still, what is happening? She really and is. And she is toned as hell in right. this movie. I was, I, I'm sorry. She looked I, like I she walked out of a jazzercise video. Right. It and was bananas, I but I was like, why am I seeing her I, in a bra? I could always feel like she insisted on that. Like, she's <laughs> going, damn it, this, I worked so hard on this, here I am. Because it doesn't like come that across. spy movie with was it ScarJo where th- uh, they added the scene of her bathing at the beginning because she had all these scars and bruises all over her body. Oh, Charlize, that's and what Atomic it was. Blonde. Atomic Blonde, where she was like, "No, no, no, show the wounds I have on my body. Right. Show them because I got them. So fucking show them." I think that there's a, a strong possibility that she insisted on that. I don't know. It just felt like something because it's not shot. There's scenes in this film where we're watching her that are obviously the male gaze, and it's sort of exploitational. That scene felt more like the point was to show off how physically powerful she looks. Maybe. She frankly, looks like a panther. But it is wild it is that she would strange. strip down right. in a stranger's living it's room. Completely... A stranger who is not home. Right, out of context. Although... And now, granted, the stranger can't see you when she gets there, but still. Right. Still. It just seems like... If I'm Gina, I'm like, bitch, put some clothes on. Because also are... Harlan's supposed right. to be coming if in. If you are a secret agent, you, you don't. don't strip down defenseless... No. Anywhere. So that didn't make any sense to me either. And you know Jude is coming. Like, do you think that you're going to distract him long enough? (laughs) I'm going to show up in my underwear. It was was a wild choice. I was just like, what the fuck is happening? So everybody then convenes at Francie's. Harlan gets there. We don't know how. But apparently now he can cause the sun to re-rise, which means Mm -hmm. he's manipulating time in very specific places that aren't everywhere, which is not how time works. Mm. And there's earthquakes. He's been making earthquakes. Well, this goes along with something that we see a little bit later, too, is that Professor Todd Hunter, in order to test the efficacy of his formula or radiation or whatever it is... It's unclear what it is. It's science. Don't worry about it. turn backward. Oh, yeah. Which led to your amazing observation that you can get, I can get a clock to turn backwards. I can turn a clock backwards. By turning a little spindle in the back. It's not fucking hard. that easy. So, So, yeah, he puts a clock in the middle of his, like, laser tube. Right. I don't know what it is. And then... Sciencey thing. It spins backwards and then disappears. And I'm just like, well, that's not how... And I have a theory That's about that, but I'll that explain would later. Here's but, what you do, though. Uh-huh. Bite an apple, put it down. Now do that. Well, that's what they did in Doctor Strange. Oh, see, there you go. Uh, oh, that's right. That is yeah. what they did in Doctor Strange. I mean, that's a thing. good visual That's a reference, good visual reference. This, for, this was why. I was like, because I could literally do that myself. <laughs> and I'm looking at it thinking, well, the clock can't age. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what's supposed I mean, to it happen is, to it. It can. It ages one second at a time. Right. That is what is happening. Why would you turn time back on an inanimate object? Shouldn't you do it on a living on thing? On a living thing. Well, also, a mouse looks like the, a mouse until it's not a mouse anymore. So like, I think that what happens, and this is why it jumped the shark for me, is that suddenly we're led to believe that he's causing some sort of distortion in time itself. Yes. I think that's what they're leading that to. That is what they're doing, but... The, but the way they're doing it is so pedestrian. The, the problem is Stephen King is not a science fiction writer, uh-huh. not a hard science fiction writer. Right. Stephen King has not, at least in 1991, done the research and the real thought experiments that uh-huh. go into writing a good time travel story. I'm here to tell you I love time travel, and I can uh-huh. talk about time travel all day fucking long. This wants to be some time travel shit, and but has done none of the work to do that in a coherent, thoughtful way, or even kind of a fun, goofy so way. So give me an it example just makes when you're saying no hard sense. science fiction, soft science fiction, because, I mean, I grew up with it, so I have an idea. But for a modern audience, because all of my examples are really old, I'll say Jules Verne, who is really hard yes. science, facts, figures, dates, numbers, whatever, mm-hmm. H.G. Wells, who is, well, he makes a machine that travels back in time. We don't know right. how. It just does right. it. And then let's talk about the adventures he has when he travels forward in time. So Right, this, which right. which is not where, this doesn't even get there. Right, it doesn't, because we're not allowed to see the story develop. I don't know where he was going with this. So, something like Looper. Right. Okay, which has a very strict time uh-huh. structure. Primer. Primer is the, one, the the big yeah. one. Primer is the one that you watch, and then you're like, I'm gonna need to watch that right, one more time. Very well thought out. Well thought out. Um, then there's the biological time travel movies, uh, like About Time and The Time Traveler's Wife. Um, then there's the mind time travel, like uh, in oh, um, somewhere in time. Which is a great movie. You have it and you've never seen it. And you should. You really yeah, should. no, I'm thinking of Source Code. That's okay. the first one that I'm thinking of. All right. Where his body is in one place and his time, his consciousness is being sent. Further back. Yeah, back to the same. That's that Jake Gyllenhaal movie where they're uh-huh. on a train. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's, you know, stuff that, Back to the Future. Yeah. Like, that shit doesn't we, hold up, but it's they do it in a fun way that right. has rules within the world that are like you're like I mean okay, right? But in this, I can't. You can't even get to I mean okay. <laughs> like you're so just like when what we're the talking fuck about soft science fiction, we're talking about an author like Ray Bradbury. Yeah, who who's uses, like I've got a cool idea, right? But he uses science fiction tropes and things like time travel and rocket ships. He doesn't know how any of these things no. work. Now you he's also, almost he's he's doing fantasy right. in a quote unquote realistic or, way. And this is a popular uh, book, but Michael Crichton, yeah. he wrote Jurassic Park. Yep. He's a person with a medical degree, so he sits there and sometimes at length tells you how this could conceivably work. And I like stuff like that. Yeah. I like like I like Robin Cook books. Right, exactly. Who's also Robin a, Cook was a surgeon, like right. a real doctor, and so the science in his books uh-huh. is. Deeply thought out and deeply. The Polish author Stanislaw Lem is another one. Yep. Where there are people with engineering backgrounds who are writing science fiction. Yeah. 
And they tend to write a certain kind of science fiction. And Stephen King doesn't do a lot of time travel. He does uh-huh. basically one more thing with time travel. Which is? 112263. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he put way more thought into it. It's the crux of the whole thing. Right. So he really builds out the, the rules. Uh-huh. In it, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I love the book. I'm looking forward to seeing the adaptation when we get to it. Um, but for this, it feels like, yeah. oh, what if this is what happened? And and made him, the, we, we basically make Harlan a superhero, which would be fine, except he, if you're it's doing... not fully thought out about how he would actually be. Right. Well, um, maybe, I, my problem is I couldn't see where any of this was going. Right. And right. it didn't make any sense what was happening. And also, I, it's not science fiction at this point. It's fantasy now. Because fantasy yeah. doesn't need rules. Right. You know, you could have a time turner. And you right, which is, which is why it is frustrating, which I'm fine with. But, but then don't stop putting the me, world. Right, stop putting me right. in the lab with the scientist doing all of his science. Yeah. And then making me think that that has anything to do with anything because you've just thrown physics out the fucking window. So what are we doing here? And a good example is that the sun rolled backwards here. Here. In this one stretch of road. That's not how the sun works, y'all. So it should have been, so the earth reverses. And you're trying That's all that's on the news. Yeah. And it should, and it, and because we were outside, Uh We're not looking at, but really what that is, is time going backwards. Right. But, but that's not what's happening because people are experiencing it. Yeah. And they couldn't. So he is freezing the people in place and just moving the sun. Well, like it just, it, that's it, it doesn't feels make like sense. The conversation that we've had right now, the last five or 10 minutes, all right, feels like it had more thought put into it than whatever they were coming up yeah. with here. Yeah. Almost like, here's a cool idea. Yes, and we're just going to do it. And this is a cool visual representation, right. even though it makes no damn it, sense. It feels like that at the at part of the, the adaptation movie, where uh-huh. he's like, the killer and the cop and the hostage are all the same person. Right. Well, how are you going to fucking do that? Trick photography. N- no. Right. <laughs> <Nuts>. <laughs> like, the, you... No, that's not how any of this works. Yeah, it did not work. But anyhow, going back to the... Because I know we're going to get lost. So everybody... We don't even know how Harlan gets to where he's going because I don't feel like that trucker is letting him back in the fucking truck. He's like, get out, get out, demon, out. Um, They all end up at Francie's. They're like, we got to go. Gina's like, we got to eat breakfast first. So they start making breakfast. Which I don't know how they're going to do that because as soon as they got there, Gina was like, this is definitely Francie's house because there's no fucking food here. Um, and basically they get a call. Was it Terry gets a call? I think so. That he's, Jude's there. Jude, Jude's basically there. The, they've, they've flown there. The... How did the general get there? Was he the driving? The general got there by kidnapping the airplane of a a swinging pilot who was picking up on his air hostess. But no, that was, was already using... in Chicago. Oh, did he? He must have flown commercial or something. Because um, Jude and his dude, it's the, that's the 
Isn't that the plane? I believe they took the airplane to get to where they were going. Jude and his people did. But I don't know how the general got there. Okay, yeah, I'm... But the general gets there, and then um, he leaves Moreland to... Because I think that pilot was Jude's pilot. That's why I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, they're all in Chicago, but some of them are at the airport. Somehow they get to Chicago. And they get a, they get a call that's like, he's at the airport. He's coming to. He knows where uh-huh. the fuck you are, and he's coming to you. And so they go to try and leave, and they get accosted in the parking garage, um, which leads to a big shootout. Big shootout. The dog is killed. Whitney, beautiful German Shepherd, gone too soon. And um, they're like, uh, <laughs> Terry goes, Franny, can, Francie, can you get us to the car that we're going to in the dark? Because she's her um, neighbor leaves her their spare key. So right. she's got a car they can use. Um, and Franny's like, I only can get there in the dark. <laughs> like, yeah. So Terry blows the lights. So that it's quote unquote pitch black in the garage, which it's not because it's not. we're watching it and we can see. Pitch black so. is a relative thing in movies and television. I know. It's a pity because Did I, it go full black in Wait Until Dark? It did. And that's the probably the best example of how it was done. Yeah. They filmed with what we would call or what we call what we call in the film business, that sounds yeah. Ridiculous, but what's called single source lighting a lot of times. Okay. So that there's that great suspense scene where Audrey Hepburn is playing a blind woman yeah. is groping in the dark through her apartment trying to get to the refrigerator because there's a light in the refrigerator or she's trying to knock it out before the villains get to it and open the refrigerator door. Oh, gotcha. And then got there you. is a beautiful moment where the entire screen goes pitch black pitch and you can really hear things. You can hear and it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great use of that. Yeah, and, uh, and I want more of that. I know right. that film is a video, visual medium, but I hate when we go into a cave and there's just all this fucking well, light. It's aggravating we were watching to me. that the other day with Tron. Yes. And then there was something that Amity... Amity has an issue, ladies and gentlemen, the audience. <laughs> What's my all. issue? She has an issue with older movies because in older movies, they needed a lot of light to shoot a given scene, so they never shot at night. It's the they day for night looks like crap. In dusk. Always. And they would fit a blue filter over the ends, end of the, of the, of the lens and that was supposed to give the impression of very strong moonlight. And what you did is you shot it at times of day where you wouldn't get shadows, so it looks like it's just really strong moonlight. And Except if there's strong moonlight, there are shadows. There's things like... <sighs> and it just makes everything look dark and fuzzy. I never, It never bothered it me It makes everything look blue. <laughs> it never, well, in color. In it black looks and white, like it I'm works. watching... A fully bright scene uh-huh. with sunglasses okay. on. Okay, so it works better in black and white than it does in color, obviously, because you see obviously, the blueness of the yes, filter. Yes. But um, and and there's a really funny film I remember seeing where they're carrying torches and the blueness of the filter changes all the torchlight to be bright bright yellow, and that made no sense either. But there are things that I watch with Amity where I'm suddenly really disappointed because I look and it never bothered me because I grew up watching. Where there's obviously I ne- almost never say a anything. Backdrop behind people, yeah. and that was something that people let go back in the day, or an old-fashioned projection fine screen. I'm letting with it go, but I will and, mention a thing. Yeah, and, uh, but sometimes I'll just turn and look at her, and she yeah, just I've got to look at my face like, like this that is doesn't work not at all. Working for so, me once again. <laughs> it's a generational thing. I was able to go. Oh, he's driving a car. And you're like. 
He's parked on a car in front of a projector, and he's not and driving he's a car. And just the anyway. way that he is steering that car, yes. he would be fucking pulled over immediately. Right. <laughs> so, or, or the other thing that Stephanie used to get me to do, our other friend and housemate, is why do people look at each other all the time when they're driving? Yeah, and that eyes on the road, crazy. bub. Right, I say right. that, I still do that now. Right. I'm like, uh, you're gonna get in an accident. And it was just one of those dumb movie conventions that we were able to accept because we saw it all the time. And then now... And now there are car accidents because people saw it. Like, this is how you drive, right? You just turn the wheel willy-nilly and always look at your passenger. (laughs) We're all going to die. It just does not work anymore. All right. (laughs) Okay, so are we going to these rants? (laughs) So they escape. They get away. Terry's shot in the arm. Poor dog. And Whitney is shot Mm -hmm. in the body. She doesn't make it. So then we're in the last episode now, the final blow, and they go to a safe house (laughs) full of Francie's hippie friends, including an old hippie named Captain Trips. Y'all, that is the name of the disease from the stand for no reason. Just putting it in there, throwing it out. So as soon as I heard his name was Captain Trips, and... There was a helpful little bit of exposition about how some of the best uh, informants to the shop are old hippies. I was like, well, this motherfucker is going to be the death of them. I was right. Um, So they're trying to get fake IDs because they're going to, I think they're going to bounce to um, Canada is the plan. And then, of course, Trips goes ahead and narks on them and then there are all these police or not police it's shot people setting up around this hippie hideout bonkers at which point point moreland steven root's character who has been abused by jude and is his captive at this point he loses his mind a little bit but he doesn't i don't think he does here's what i think is happening okay he is talking to himself, and he's like, who's going to pay for all of this? I haven't seen any requisition papers. And he was a pencil pusher back at the at the facility, and so this is his mindset. He's like, I have to put a stop to this. I have to put a stop to this. He's saying all of this out loud. And then he goes out into the street, and he's like, call it off. I'm calling it off. I don't think he is losing his mind. I think he is acting like he's losing his mind so he can tip off the people that he knows are about to be taken the fuck out. No, that could be. I think that's what's happening. That would be a sympathetic It's unclear. The way that the scene is written, it could go either way. He could literally just be losing it, but he basically tips off this house uh, that there is military presence, shop presence, and then two of these hippies decide they're going to go outside and, you know, negotiate... And Terry's like, you know, I wouldn't. They will definitely kill you. And they definitely do. <laughs> and then, um, meanwhile, oh, um, Jude's been trying for two days to get the uh, city plans. And his assistant keeps going, they're coming. They're coming. They're not here yet. They're coming. They're not here yet. But they're coming. Mm, they're not here yet. And the reason, of course, that he wants the city plans is the same reason that Terry would have wanted the city plans. Because... What's in the basement of this house? Oh, storm drains. So they go and they can get out. He gets the plans late and sees that there's drainage. 
And it's like, oh, they're already gone. And it's true, they're already gone. What's also happened here, though, in this scene, or in this in this episode, is Harlan and Gina have had sex again. As a younger man. Yes, he's gotten, he looks probably like, they, I'd probably put him in his late 50s. He's, he's de-aged about 20 years, probably. His face is smoother. His hair is coming in darker, even though he dyed it white earlier. And Gina basically was like, well, that was it. Like, you're different now. And that was probably the last time we are going to have this type of relationship. You're going to keep getting younger. I am not. So, uh our relationship is fundamentally going to pivot at this point. Like, at some point, I'm going to basically be your mom. Right. And how long is this going to go? And that is a thing that they do talk about a little bit. Is is he going to turn into a baby? Is he going to Benjamin Button entirely? Right. We don't We don't know. And then just the public. And you know who also doesn't know? Dr. Todd Hunter. Because he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Well, he's still on. trying to make a clock go backwards. So they come... Um, Terry... And the general, and Gina, and um, Harlan all come out uh, of this drain at the end. And, well, it's not actually all of them. The general doesn't come out at first. And I was like, oh, no, did he die? Uh, And then Jude comes out. And you're like, oh no, he overtook the general and right. he died. And then Jude, it looks like Jude's going to take out everybody. And then I think, the, doesn't the general come out and kill him? The general comes out afterward. I think that... Or does Terry kill him? Terry, Terry shoots him. him. That's the... the uh, that's kind of like the poetic justice at the end because even Jude is startled that she had the, the wherewithal to, to shoot him dead. Oh, and I think that he was like, you, you're not going to do it. Right. Which is bananas because she was a fucking killer. Like, right. why wouldn't well, she? Well, because I don't know if he And you're that. definitely going to kill her if she doesn't right. kill you. So, mm, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and fucking shoot you in your face. Which is what she does. Well, she, she shoots, shoots him, him in the, the face. No, I don't think so. I thought it went through his heart because she shoots him from behind. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. She shoots him from behind and it goes directly through his heart and he dies instantly. Um, and then uh, the general comes through and then... Harlan's eyes start freaking out and he starts glowing, pulsing green and then he grabs Gina and he's like we're going together, you're coming with me I love you and we're going to stay together and you're coming with me and then bloop bloop, he disappears what? and then <laughs> and then Terry and the general are going to be literally skip they off do the kind screen, of skip off the arm screen it's another one where it's just like, oh, a bunch of weird shit just happened. Let's be happier than we've ever been well, before. This it's is real what weird. To, to, and then that's the end, y'all. Right. That's the end. So there were plans to... It ended on a cliffhanger, the original television broadcast. Gotcha. And I saw the final episode of that, which ends with Jude capturing him. Oh, okay. And then I believe Terry's in pursuit. Okay. And but Gina doesn't die, right? I don't believe Gina We does. don't want to kill Gina. She's right. the best. Uh, so... They get into some sort of a struggle, and he's able to kidnap Harlan. Okay. I when the 
film version, I guess Stephen King when they will, asked them to... He, he said, can I get another two hours or mm-hmm. four hours? And they were like, you can have zero hours. Rude. So, and re- so I was hoping to have the it, original ending, and instead we had this weird... Yeah, when it was released no on uh, on VHS, and when uh-huh. it was released on, to home video, it got this ending instead. And... um. I don't know that you can actually find on video at least. Right. We are, we had like I said a, a DVD set. Um, I don't know that you can find the original ending. I would like to not only see the original ending. I wonder if I know if there was other changes to the program, and I wonder if that weird gag with the clock running backwards and disappearing was actually part of the edited version of the program, just to sort of make some kind of sense of the the weird ending where Harlan just disappears. Yeah. The special effects in that regard are not special. The green light thing does not really work as a special no, effect. No, it's a it's a hard thing. And it's thing. sad that the the other visual the the makeup is so good and then the visual effects are just poor. But there's overall the program though it it had great moments and but it doesn't work because there's just not until the final three episodes a lot going on. Yeah. And then it suddenly picks up momentum. Yeah. And we watched so yeah, There's over, a lot of not anything happening. Right. We watched happening. it over two nights. And so our first night was just dull. Yeah. And the second night picked up because suddenly something's happening and they're on the run. There's a lot of mm-hmm. weird exposition that you don't know why right. you're getting it. And then... Um, like the first, like the first thing he says, it's like this weird exposition thing. Right. I'll be seventy-one in October, dude. It's April. Why the fuck are you telling well, me that? Just, like, there's that. There's... It's, it was just weird, clunky exposition right. dialogue that I was like, "What's going on?" There's and then also a lot of like, well, we mentioned the bad science. We yeah. mentioned the bad science yeah. fiction. Uh, there, we mentioned the good character development, but again, everything takes too long to get to someplace. Yeah. When things actually began happening, they're bonkers. There's no sense of scale or scope to it. So he's a distortion in time, and time distorts around him, including the sun coming up when it shouldn't. And then that final assault yeah. that the shop leads, they just massacre... Yeah, this group of hippies for... This group of hippies, and the police are joining them, and you're thinking, yeah, I, I don't think the police would join you. Somebody yeah. at some point would say, you just shot because Jude shoots... Captain, what's his name? Trips. Captain Trips just kills him. Just for no, for he's, and then he kills. He comes out and right. is like, I, I mean you no harm, and I don't, you know what I mean? Right. Like he's clearly has surrendered, and he, and he kills he just Major kills Moreland him. the same way. He just shoots him dead, and people yeah. are standing around thinking, oh, I guess we're all going to open our automatic weapons on this house full of hippies. Yeah, it, it's it's a little it, bit wild. It goes bonkers because you're going. There's just no more internal logic. We've lost. Right. Any kind of logic. Yeah, that's kind of what I felt like. They lost the thread of what was going on here because yeah. it really did clearly seem that... that It was yeah. like, these two characters are very cool. Terry's very cool. The general is a, uh, an interesting character. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of interesting characters. They're not given really much of anything to do. Really, and they're no. given a weird what-if-X happened uh-huh. premise that isn't fully fleshed out in any way. I feel like a lot of limited run series, there's kind of a sag in the middle. Yeah. And I think that it doesn't really get off to a very promising start. Like, this whole thing 
you could tell this whole story in two hours. Right. We didn't need three hours and 52 minutes of time. We didn't need the optometrist. Time. We didn't need the other characters no. because they really don't contribute anything other than... No, other than, wow, these fucking people are terrible at their Jude jobs. Is, like, Jude is scary. That's what it's supposed yeah. to get across. And Jude also, the actor playing him, kind of plays him as kind of, again, sort of a high school level bully with a gun. Yeah. He's yeah, un- he doesn't seem very smart to me. Right, he he's not the. He just doesn't make stupid ass mistakes that everybody else is making. Right. Like, well, yeah. that's it. He's less stupid than the other people, so yeah. therefore he's the cleverest person in the show. Yeah, which yeah. doesn't really work either. So, you all don't need to watch this one. I, if especially you... because it's like, here's oh, this right. is true. If you wanted to put this on to go to sleep, like it's comforting the the character like the the acting is good well that's the problem there's good things that are yeah. salvageable i feel like something i did when i was a film student i still all i used to do up until i lost the ability to use uh, my roommate's mixing board and uh, videotape is i used to edit scenes out of movies i didn't like if you ever seen i mean the movie, this you could right, you could the the movie the serpent and the rainbow has one of those dumb and then the villain comes back a third time in the, that film. You're like, this is and the end was, of it. <laughs> it was such a good movie that I hated that, so I just cut it out of the film and it made more sense. And I've done that for a couple of movies I have. Right. Well, I can't see them anymore. No, but you do that just by thought. You're right. just like, if this was here and if that was there, then this yeah. would make and more so sense. so yeah. I'm looking at this thing two hours or two and a half hours. If it was a three-hour miniseries, you could get all seven hours condensed. Yeah. I have a real ending, for yeah. God's sakes. Don't well, leave it the way it was. It was not an on-purpose. Right. But, but also, you've entered, you've brought in a whole new, like, why would you even think that you could take her with you? Right. Why would you think you were going somewhere? Well, that was... What's happening It right just now? was a nonsensical I ending. could understand, like, I'm, rather than a, we're going together, I'm go, you're coming with me. Right. A hold me, I'm scared, and I don't know what's happening. Yes. Makes more sense. And, and then if they though? disappeared... They disappeared. They died. They what? what they what went back in time. Yeah, I don't know that though. Well, nothing is made very clear because it's the opposite of what happens in the time machine, which is the time machine stays still and the right. world, tur- world turns around them. They disappeared. Where the f- did they go? <laughs> yeah, no. It, yeah, and also time. Like I said, time travel is mm, sticky. Okay, so that's gonna be that's that's as much as we're that's gonna as say much as on this I can subject. Feel, uh, so next week, we are going to talk about three things, but only watch one thing. We're going to watch The Dark Half. It's available on Stars right now. Oh, also Epics, I think we're recording. Yeah. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about the movie The Lawnmower Man and a little mm-hmm. bit about the movie Sleepwalkers. We're not going to do it now. I know you want to say a thing. Don't say a thing. I'm we're going to do it nothing. next week. Those are both... Uh, bastardizations that we're going to bounce right over. Whoa. But we will... Don't hold back. What do you really feel? We will, ta- we will talk about them briefly. So the dark half for next next week. The dark half for next week. Uh, do you have anything you would like to recommend? You know, I have not been out of my house. I, <laughs> I really, I really thought you were going to recommend It Chapter 2. <laughs> uh, I, did we? We yes, haven't. We oh my God. I recommend It Chapter 2. That was a really interesting film. Thank you for the, the suggestion. It. I don't want to go into it because we're going to have to talk about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it at, at length. But, y'all, yes. if you like Stephen King, go watch this fucking movie. Right. <laughs> it was a very... It was, oh God, it's, everything I know. sounds like a pun. I know. 
All right. I would like to recommend, thanks for asking. Oh, yes. Wait, (laughs) what would you like to recommend? (laughs) The Amazon Prime show, Undone. Why would you like to recommend that? It's Undone. Is I'm only halfway through it. So you're unwatched some of it's Undone. The Amazon Prime movie, Undone, starring Rosa Salazar and uh, Bob Odenkirk and Constance Marie and a bunch of other people, rotoscoped because she, our main character, who is also Alita Battle Angel, so apparently will never look like a normal human being, uh, is either having a psychotic break or is learning how to time travel. I'll let you know when we get to the end. I won't. It'd be a spoiler. One of those things is happening. And I don't know which, but it's beautiful. The acting is very good. Uh It's beautiful to look at. And because it is rotoscoped, they can do things that we could not do with just regular film and camera, right? Because it's a cartoon. Uh, And it's beautiful and so far very good and moving. Uh, The acting is all very good and the writing is very good. I'm very curious to see how it goes. It is eight episodes that are 20 minutes long. There's no excuse for me not having finished it yet, is what I'm saying. Um, No, I started it. I started it two days ago, and I just have not had time to finish it. But I I recommend it heartily. And so with that, uh, you can find us online. Uh, We are reachable on Twitter, at LatecomersPod, on email, at LatecomersPod, at gmail.com, on Facebook, The Latecomers Podcast. You can. That's all. Those are the things. Uh, I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you. Better, better late, late than, than never. never. Woof. I forgot how to end this thing.